0: Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into Dinger Derby. This is your host, Keith Patrick. Episode two of Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted totally to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for tuning in for episode two of this new podcast that we've started here just to talk about Texas Tech baseball. I want to give a shout out to all of you out there across the country that have already jumped in on the Dinger Derby bandwagon and have gotten involved with what Texas Tech Red Raider baseball is doing. I couldn't be more excited to see the downloads that I've seen more than double the downloads we had for the intro episode. And I've seen downloads come from 11 states across the US, 23 metro areas. So from Georgia to Idaho, Utah, California to Missouri. Thank you so much for jumping in, giving Dinger Derby a try and listening to our episode one want to say thank you again to Jamie Lynn of Texas Tech Red Raider Baseball's radio broadcast and Double Team 97.3 here in Lubbock for joining me in last week's episode. If you haven't checked out episode one, I encourage you to go download that one. It was a little bit of a longer episode than I'm used to having. We'll normally try to keep it uh, in the 30 to 45 minute range, but we had so much to talk about as Jamie and I reminisced about the 2014 season and the first trip to Omaha for the Red Raiders, broke down last season and talked about 2018 and the things we saw from that team, and then looked ahead to 2019 and went position by position talking about new faces and returning faces and what this team may look like. So, thanks again to Jamie Lint for joining me. This episode, we're going to hop in uh, to some exciting news that's going on with this team. We are getting so close to opening weekend, and now it's almost time for the news to slow down as the team gets ramped up and starts taking the field next week. To start things off, the schedule dropped for the Texas Tech Red Raiders and it's going to be a fantastic season for this team. We saw that schedule come out in January, generally fairly late from Texas Tech. I'm going to attribute that to Coach Tadlock playing a little bit of games with everybody, but the Red Raiders will be playing a team from all Power 5 conferences. Obviously the Big 12 is included in that, but all the Power 5s are represented. 13 non-conference games versus Power 5 teams. That is nothing to sneeze at. That's certainly going to help the RPI out as we go through the season. Additionally, there'll be four 2018 Super Regional teams represented on the Red Raiders uh, schedule. You'll, of course, see the University of Texas, who was also an Omaha team last season. Mississippi State, you'll see them in the Frisco Baseball Classic, another Omaha team, obviously Super Regional. Stetson, who was the Cinderella story of last year's college baseball season, you'll be hosting them in Lubbock on a weekend that you also host the University of Michigan, who is probably going to be pretty hot this season, and that'll be something exciting to see out of the Big Ten. And then, of course, ACC team Duke, you'll be playing them in a one-game midweek in North Carolina this time. A lot of fun to play Duke based on some of the shenanigans from that Super Regional. There was definitely no love loss between Red Raider Faithful and Uh, head coach Chris Pollard to that team. So it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. Uh, You'll also have two College World Series teams represented on this schedule, as I mentioned, Texas and Mississippi State. So top to bottom, strong schedule for the Red Raiders. Going to be an exciting season of baseball. Certainly going to have ups and downs, every baseball season does, but certainly expecting a lot of things from this 2019 Red Raider team. Well, the preseason accolades have absolutely rolled in for the Red Raiders. Just exciting to see all the recognition they're getting on a national level. And I think that is something that's been earned. These Red Raiders came into 2014, total Cinderella story, total surprise. Just a bunch of guys playing their hearts out, playing with house money in a Coral Gables regional, and then coming back home for a super regional and earning their way to Omaha. Just unexpected and exciting, fantastic season for them. But now here you are, five years later, you've made three trips to the College World Series, in five years. And all of a sudden, you're kind of a new blue blood on the block. And, and and I'm not trying to jump ahead on what Texas Tech does or doesn't deserve, but certainly have started to receive some attention at a national level with the team they're putting together. And when you start talking about recruiting as far as a reload and not a rebuild, you know that a team has really started rolling because you know that they're retaining great talent, they've got solid talent on the team, and they're bringing in high level talent as well which was evident from a number six ranked recruiting class by Perfect Game. So certainly a good class to bring in two top 100 prospects now on this team for the Red Raiders. One a pitcher in Mason Montgomery and another an outfielder in Max Marshock from Amarillo. So going to be an exciting time for, for the Red Raiders and certainly the national services are seeing that. You know, for those that may not know, in in college baseball, there's like 30 ranking services that are out there that can be just a lot of noise when it comes to ranking baseball. There's chess rankings, there's composites all over the place, there's strength of schedule, there's pseudo RPIs, there's all kinds of different things. All of them are interesting to see, and you'll see on stakingtheplains.com throughout the spring. I'll be posting weekly, keeping up with those rankings. I'll probably post on Wednesdays once all of those have updated for the week, and then you'll see what they look like and can see them change week to week as we go along. But in the world of college baseball, there's really kind of a big six. There's six ranking services that everybody's going to recognize and pay attention to uh, when it comes to college baseball, and and these are six actual rankings, and then I'll say the NCAA RPI is going to be a really big one that plays into that mix as well. So top to bottom, Red Raiders have five out of six of those rankings in the top five this season preseason. So nothing to sneeze at. D1Baseball.com and the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association, the NCBWA, have both ranked Texas Tech as a number three preseason team in the country. That is a a record for the Red Raiders. That's certainly some respect right from the outset. I'll say D1Baseball.com, and I've never been shy about it. They're my favorite service out there. Love what they do. They're great writers. They have great coverage of college baseball top to bottom. The things they do are good for college baseball and getting more eyeballs on this sport. And I'll tell you that they are not afraid to say the words national champion for these Red Raiders. Now, they're asking the question, is it the year? And after the trip to Omaha last year, as they wrapped up their season on their own podcast, which I encourage you to check out, they did talk about Texas Tech in saying it's only a matter of time before this team puts it together. You know, It obviously requires a lot of talent and requires a little bit of luck, and they're just waiting for the day for that to happen. At number four, the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper and the USA Today Coaches Poll both had the Red Raiders at number four in preseason. Perfect Game had Texas Tech number five. Now, Perfect Game This actually says a little bit more than it may seem. This is a service that historically preseason has not had much respect for the Red Raiders and has been slow to move them out of the teens and up into that top 10 really early in the season at all. So seeing a preseason top five means something from perfect game. And then Baseball America, who is very active when it comes to a prospect standpoint and covers Major League Baseball as well, has Texas Tech number eight. And there are several more out there. One of my favorites is the Massey composite, which really pulls together all of the the weekly rankings, depending on what's updated and gives you a composite score. And the Massey composite right now for the Red Raiders preseason is number four. So we've also seen accolades come through for Big 12 teams. Now those are voted on by the coaches. So you've got nine head coaches in Big 12 baseball because Iowa State can't pull a team together. And so they vote for... The top players and teams in the league and they can't vote for their own players so you have texas tech has already been a preseason number one now uh, in the big 12 that's saying something as well you have the university of texas was a college world series team and you have other teams that are they're looking hot baylor is one that i think there's a lot of expectations for this season so being number one as voted by the coaches does mean something You've got several players that have received accolades there. You have five that were on the preseason first team, all Big 12. Josh Young was one of those. Cameron Warren as well. Gabe Holt was on there. Caleb Freeman and Caleb Killian, are both as pitchers. So not too shabby to see five players on the preseason first team. And then... Also, three of the four players of the year in the Big 12 preseason are Red Raiders, so Josh Young was the unanimous preseason player of the year, so all Big 12 coaches voted Josh Young as the preseason player of the year. We could get into how much he should have won that last year over Cody Clemens of Texas. Josh Young was deficient in one statistical category to Cody Clemens, and that was home runs. The other two categories he was deficient in is his last name wasn't Clemens, and he didn't have a longhorn on his shirt. But otherwise... Pretty solid year for Josh Young last year. Certainly nothing to sneeze at. Unanimous preseason player of the year for the Big 12 this year. Bryce Bonin, the transfer pitcher from Arkansas, who was obviously a College World Series team playing in the championship series, he was voted as the preseason newcomer of the year. And Max Marshak, who I mentioned earlier from Amarillo, Texas, new outfielder for the Red Raiders. I expect him to be a starter in left or center field should be an immediate impact player for the team, was voted as the preseason freshman of the year. And in true Tim Tadlock fashion, as accolades have rolled in, Tim Tadlock has acknowledged them one time uh, on Twitter, and all he did was tweet out, be where your feet are. Now, I know we all love Tim Tadlock, and I certainly love everything he brings to the game, and the mental aspect is an important part of that. And his message to these players, I have no doubt, is get on the field and prove it. And we've seen some of those players tweeting similar things, that they're ready to get out there and prove that they're worth the things that they're seeing. But he's going to fight hard, and I know Matt Gardner, J-Bob, Thomas, and and Ray Hayward, and Joe Hughes will as well. They're going to fight for these guys to not read their press clippings, to focus on playing baseball and playing it the right way and playing it well getting as good as they can early and putting a quality product on the field because that's where they're going to prove it. So I've had some friends tell me, I hope that it doesn't go to their head. I hope they're not reading the press clippings. I don't feel like that's what this team's identity is. They were so close last year to making huge waves, and I think that they know that they have the ability to do that again. And I think Josh Young being a leader on this team, that's absolutely his mentality, and you will see them reflect that to some extent based on his leadership, and I'm excited about that. So speaking of Josh Young, I think it bears to mention a couple things about him as we talk about some of these preseason awards. Jamie and I talked a little bit about Josh Young in the last episode, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper into what he's bringing to the table because it's really some impressive stuff. I also want to mention Gabe Holt a couple times as I talk about Josh because there's a couple comparisons to be made there. So Josh Young projected as a top 10 draft pick by many services potentially a top five draft pick, and some have him as high in their mock drafts as number three. Uh, I think there's certainly an expectation across the country that he is going to have a big, big year. Now in 2018, Josh Young batted 392. That was good enough for 12th in the country. He flirted with 400 for the last half of the season, just up and down. Ultimately finished with that 392. I think that this is a year you could see him break out at the plate. He's obviously been a fantastic hitter. I think you could see him take a step forward there, especially with power. Young had 69 runs scored. That was good for 16th in the country. Now, Gabe Holt had 70 runs scored. That was good enough for 10th. Now, some of that with Gabe, of course, the speed there. Josh has pretty good speed for a guy his size. Gabe has plus-plus speed for any player. It's absolutely just amazing to watch him out of the base paths. So I'd see both of them to take a step forward in that category. Young had 103 hits. That was good enough for third in the country. Now that's absolutely amazing. Gabe Holt had 94 hits. He was 11th in the country. I'm feeling pretty confident that Gabe Holt is your all-time freshman hits leader for the Red Raiders. That's not really a track stat in the record book, but looking at the top 10 hitters of all time, none of them were freshmen. He ranks up there high with that group, and I think that uh, it's safe to say he's probably your highest-hitting freshman of all time at Texas Tech Baseball. So for Josh Young, 103 hits, third in the country. had 80 RBI. That was fourth in the country. 168 total bags, also fourth in the country, and had a 491 on-base percentage. That was good enough for 14th. So really tearing it up in a lot of offensive statistical categories. But one that stuck out to me for Josh Young, he had a 639 slugging percentage. Now, 639's not bad. It was 43rd in the country. And as I'm sure you know, slugging percentage really focuses on power. So, And I don't mean just home run power, but it really rewards those that are getting more doubles and triples in the formula. So a 639 slugging percentage, nothing to sneeze at. If Josh Young can pick up the power just a little bit, get more doubles and triples in there, uh, and certainly hit a few more home runs, all of a sudden you're going to see a monster number there. I told Jamie last week, I just have the feeling... Josh Young hit 12 home runs last season, certainly not bad. But your college leader out of Arizona State hit 25. Some of those top guys in the country were in that 18 to 20 range for home runs. So I certainly would love to see Josh Young maybe get six more of those under his belt this season, hit with a little bit more power. You had one serious deep threat every time he stepped to the plate in Zach Reams in the 2018 season. Got to see now who that's going to be this season, but I think you may see more deep threat power from more guys than you did before. Where all of them had the potential for going yard last season, I think you may see more uh, with a little bit more regularity this season, maybe a little bit more of a harder-hitting team. So Josh Young continues to impress, continues to get a ton of coverage, and continues to be the quiet professional. That's gonna play a great brand of baseball. I think in my mind, and, and this is my own bias, I'm a big fan of of Mike Trout. I like the way he plays baseball. He's just quiet greatness. I really feel like Josh Young is that way too, very much in his own head, following his own processes, has great approach at the plate, really focuses on the mental side of the game for himself as far as moving past mistakes, flushing strikeouts, things of that nature. So Excited to watch him play this season, and obviously it's going to be the last season we see him in a Red Raider uniform. He will be a very high draft pick come June. Now, there's been some national accolades individually that have come across as well. Caleb Killian was named to the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper's second team preseason All-America list. Gabe Holt has now received three preseason All-American awards, Collegiate Baseball Newspaper second team, D1 Baseball's third team, and the NCBWA's third team. Positive things for Gabe Holt. He was Texas Tech's first unanimous freshman All-American last season. Really a fantastic player that has done a lot of really good things. But only one season so far as a Red Raider. So it'll be exciting to have a second season for Holt. See him take some steps forward. I think you'll see his game in the outfield improve uh, as he's more used to routes. He's seen a lot more balls out there. He played in the summer as well. And I think you're just going to see good things from him. As Jamie and I talked about last week, also probably the last season, you'll see Gabe Holt in a Red Raider uniform as he will be a draft eligible sophomore when June comes around. And then Josh Young has received five preseason All-America first team honors. That's from D1Baseball.com, Perfect Game, Baseball America, Collegiate Baseball Newspaper, and the NCBWA. One note about Baseball America, their teams are determined from 15 Major League Baseball scouts. So he was actually a unanimous first team selection nationally by Baseball America by 15 Major League Baseball scouts. So out of the entire United States, all of collegiate baseball, there are four unanimous first-team preseason All-Americans, and Josh Young from Texas Tech is one of those four. So pretty cool to see that. Exciting to see the nation feeling like he's going to have a fantastic year and do some really, really special things on the diamond for the Red Raiders. So that's about it as far as the preseason accolades go. I hope I haven't missed anything. There's been a lot going on, a lot of things popping up day to day. Tried to keep track of those, but if there's anything I miss, feel free to tweet at me, Dinger underscore Derby, or at Keith B. Patrick, or shoot me an email at Dinger underscore Derby at Outlook.com. As far as some other Red Raider team news goes, season tickets are sold out once again. That's the fifth year in a row that Texas Tech Baseball has sold out those tickets. Along with that kind of capacity, you start to ask the, the obvious questions. When are there going to be some facility upgrades? What are we going to see from that? I'm sure that we'll have an interview coming up later in the season where we get a little bit more information about that. But from what I've heard right now and the things that I've heard Kirby Hokut say recently, I can tell you a couple of the plans that have become apparent as far as what will impact Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park. So I do know that a priority... When it comes to upgrades at that facility, it will be the clubhouse. And I can tell you from experience going in there, the locker rooms are pretty nice as far as player spaces, but the rest of the clubhouse really needs some love, needs some upgrades. When you think about the other facilities that you're seeing from basketball and football and track and others, it's time that baseball gets some better facilities for their players and for their student athletes. I think they deserve that, and I think that's a positive for recruiting as well. So you'll see that happening. There are plans for that. I don't know the particulars of if they'll use up some of the player lot and things like that, but definitely is a plan for that. There's an ongoing plan to extend the club level seating and mirror it down the third base line. So I think you'll see that in the coming years as far as extending that. Other than that, I don't know that you'll see a lot of seating expansion at Dan Field. The capacity I think is pretty good you don't want a 10,000 seat college baseball park. There's just a lot to compete with. There's a pretty good atmosphere there. That place can get pretty rocking and I think it's a it's a good one and during the NCAA tournament they add some some of those outfield bleachers. Now, obviously, if you've been to Rip Griffin Park, you know that it's landlocked between a couple of roads, the RP Fuller track, the Ross College of Business. So there's not a lot of space as far as expansion goes there, but there is one opportunity that'll be happening. Now, if you haven't followed closely or or don't live in Lubbock, you may not know that the voters of Lubbock did pass an election last May approving the demolition of the Lubbock Municipal Coliseum there on the Texas Tech campus. So the ownership of the Coliseum, which did belong to the city, has reverted back to Texas Tech University. And after the ABC Rodeo takes place this spring, Texas Tech will be demolishing that building, which was built in the early 1950s. And I did hear Kirby talk about that on his radio show on double T 97 three this last week, the short term plans for that big space there will be to make a green space with some sidewalks, benches, grass, trees, things of that nature, maybe not trees, but certainly sod to create a space that can be used for tailgating and a nice open space. And then they're still exploring the long term. More than likely, I think most people expect that it will become a dorm. There is dorm space needed at Texas Tech, and there's currently not a dedicated athlete's dorm in good proximity to athletic facilities. So that would certainly meet that need. Athletic dorms can't be 100% athletes. They have to be 49% or less per NCAA rules. So I think that's probably a good fit and something that we hear a lot of. Along with that plan, there has been an ongoing plan that has been spoken about publicly of moving the Drive of Champions, which runs in front of Rip Griffin Park and in front of the Rawls College of Business, There's been a conversation about moving that road back, moving it north away from Rip Griffin Park to provide more footprint to that facility and give them some space to grow and change the concourse to grow that clubhouse building and to alter the entrances there, which I think could be fantastic. If there's one major upgrade, in my opinion, that Rip Griffin Park needs, it's uh, better concession areas, just a better fan experience outside of the park. As far as the entrances, everything under the stands there, I think that the getting a little more space to work with could be a real positive for them. Because as you know, on the third base side of the field, the road is right up next to the fence. It's only a sidewalk's width away from the fence into the facility. So with that, that's really all I know facility-wise right now. I don't think there'll be anything that'll be interrupting the 2019 season. We may see some things announced a little bit later on. Obviously, the athletic department is deep in to a couple of things right now, building the Womble basketball practice facility, and also building a new Cash Family athletic dining facility, as well as some other small projects. So lots to think about for them. Always things moving, always millions of dollars flying around there, but I'm sure baseball will not be forgotten, certainly with the success they've had. So in a surprise, one day last week, the roster was released online for Texas Tech baseball as well. There were some surprises there, and I think that it's interesting to see and to speculate a little bit about it. Now, I will go through some of the players we don't see, and I'm only going to talk about the ones that we're aware of where they are. Uh, I don't want to speculate on those who may be doing something here at Texas Tech. I don't want to insinuate that they've left, so I won't be talking about them. But to clarify a little bit, as far as college baseball goes, they're allowed 35 official roster spots, and those must be reported to the NCAA prior to play beginning. So 35 official spots. There are 37 players currently listed on the Texas Tech roster the last time I looked at that at texastech.com. So you have 37 up there. I would assume two will need to be removed. I'm not really sure how all those rules work. There may be little particulars that I'm not aware of. That's certainly possible. Generally, rosters do include redshirt players uh, because any player that's receiving scholarship money does count towards that roster max of 35. Now, there are a couple of exceptions in that there are now academic redshirts and a player that's not receiving scholarship or a player that's come on campus and redshirted to get academics in order. They do not count towards that. But in baseball, it's a little bit different animal. You know, we hear lots about basketball and and football recruiting. Baseball is a little bit different. A D1 baseball school has 11.7 scholarships to work with, and those can be used for up to 27 players. But the caveat is any player receiving a scholarship has to receive at least a 25% scholarship. Now, there's many things that work into that. There's room and board, there's books and fees, there's all kinds of little pieces that can be included, but 25% is the minimum. I don't know that a lot of people know that, but when you watch a college baseball game, a Division I game, when you're watching the College World Series or the National Championship Series, almost 100% of the time, not a single one of those players is on a full college scholarship. Now, they're getting some great things. They're getting to play baseball. They're on national TV. They do get some per diem for meals when they travel, things like that. But they are not receiving a full ride To college, So interesting part of the conversation when you talk about amateurism when it comes to baseball, because their scholarship situation is much different than some of the other large sports. So there are some potential changes happening with the roster. There's some folks we don't see there that we thought we might. I don't know what they're doing. When you look at their Twitter, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, it's hard to get this news. I don't think that there are a lot of negatives there. It's not a surprise. As Jamie Lint said last episode. You know, Normally you have 40, 42 guys, something like that, and uh, you know that some are going to be moving on because they won't make the roster. Texas Tech had 47 players in the fall, so you knew that there would be a pretty big change for them. There'd be quite a few faces moving on or making some different decisions. So from the recruiting side, there are several that we thought we would see on campus for the Red Raiders that we're not seeing. Cole Moore was a catcher that came in uh, to the Red Raiders as a recruit this season. He is now listed in the McLennan Community College roster. Moore's a catcher. He was highly touted, really more for his bat. He's pretty tall for a catcher and was going to face some, an uphill climb against some of the more athletic catchers that Texas Tech has on the roster. Gabriel Castillo coming in, big bat, definitely with some expectation that he would do fairly well. In the fall, he was listed on the Wharton Junior College roster. I'm not seeing him listed on there now. Not exactly sure where he is, but not seeing him in, here on, at Texas Tech or on this roster. Jaden Fowler is another. Came out of Lubbock Christian High School here in Lubbock, Texas. Not on the Red Raiders roster. When you Google him, you do see him on LCU's roster, but that page doesn't appear to be there anymore. So not exactly sure where he's ended up as well, but not seeing him on Texas Tech rosters. Dryden Verden came out of Wall, Texas. Had kind of come back and forth with Texas Tech, believe was looking for as much scholarship as he could get. That was important to him, and now I'm seeing him on the Weatherford College roster. And then there are a couple other recruits that we're not sure about not seeing them there, not sure where they might have, might be ending up. Some of these guys could be academically redshirted or they could be at other junior colleges getting ready. We may see them back at Texas Tech a little bit later. Any of those things are possible. As far as the returning players, names that you might recognize for Texas Tech baseball, There were three players that have left the team that we were aware of. Two actually left last season before the Red Raiders got into the postseason. One of those was Casey Semenich. He's now with Northwest Florida State College. He, as I said, left last season. And then Richard Gilbert, a pitcher that came out of the bullpen for you a few times as a freshman, is now at Blinn. And then as we mentioned with Jamie, a guy that Tim Tadlock really thought was going to pick up and be a, a solid pitcher for the Red Raiders, never quite able to put it all together John Henry Gonzalez left over the summer, and he's now with UT Rio Grande Valley. Wish him the best. Hope he can put things together. Definitely hope that he doesn't put them together in the two-game midweek series the Red Raiders have with UTRGV. The final thing that dropped recently about Texas Tech, Tech Baseball was the TV schedule. Always exciting to see that. The Tier 3 media rights for the Big 12, I believe, are strong, and you get to see some solid baseball on TV. You know, there was a time not very long ago – Catching one Texas Tech baseball game on TV felt like a treat, and now all of a sudden you have tons of games on television available all the way around, whether it's national, regional, uh, or some some streamable options, but pretty exciting. Before I get into that schedule, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I do want to mention, if you haven't looked at Texas Tech TV, especially you folks from 11 states and 23 metro areas that are tuning in to Dinger Derby, go check out Texas Tech TV. It's provided through Sidearm Sports. It's a really quality production. It's, I think, $9.95 a month and really gives you some great access, lots of videos, press conferences, things of that nature, as well as streamable sports. And you can go back and watch those games later. Now, This is not a camera mounted on top of a press box looking through a screen that never moves. I'm talking about a multi-camera shoot. You have Robert Giovanetti and Mike Gustafson doing the call, or Jeff Haxton and Jamie Lent piped into that broadcast from the radio side doing that call. Really quality productions. If you don't live in Lubbock or you're not able to get out to the ballpark all the time, basically any non-conference game played Here at Texas Tech that's not on another television service will be on Texas Tech TV. So some really good opportunities. And Texas Tech announced a few weeks ago that Texas Tech TV is now available on Roku and Apple TV apps. So really a great way to watch the Red Raiders. It's a good quality program and it has friendly commentators, which I know... Everybody loves to hate on the broadcasters in live sports, and we don't ever enjoy them because they pretend to be impartial, but they really love Duke. I'm looking at you, Dickie V. But when it comes down to it, we want to hear our hometown guys cheering for the Red Raiders and trying to pretend they're impartial, and it's a lot of fun that way. So definitely check out Texas Tech TV if you need to do that. As we run through the season, just really briefly, the Oregon series, you'll have a Sunday game televised, Kentucky series the Friday game. Now the Frisco tournament will be televised on flowlive.tv and that Frisco tournament, I believe you know, has Sam Houston State who knocked Texas Tech out of their own regional in 2017. You have Mississippi State College World Series team uh, from 2018 and you have Nebraska, obviously a Power 5 team out of the Big 10. It's going to be a really fun tournament. Now that flowlive TV Is a is allied with the Frisco College Baseball Classic. I believe it's going to be 11 or 12 dollars for you to get a one month subscription. You'll be able to watch that, cancel it after if that's what you want to do. But there is availability there if you can't make it out to Dr. Pepper Ballpark in Frisco. You'll have two games of the Wichita State Series televised on the Friday and the Sunday game. You'll have the Saturday Michigan game televised, and then you'll have the entire Baylor series will be televised. So that'll be a nice one here in Lubbock. It's a Thursday through Saturday series. You'll have Thursday on Fox Sports Southwest, Friday on FS1, so a national televised game, and then Fox Sports Southwest again for the Saturday game. You'll have a couple of midweek games televised, the University of New Mexico on a Tuesday, and the Tuesday game of the UTRGV series, which is a two-game midweek here in Lubbock that'll be televised as well. Two games of the Oklahoma State series will be televised, the Saturday game on ESPNU, so national, and the Sunday game as well. And then you will have two games of the OU series televised on Fox College Sports on Friday and ESPU on Sunday. And then your final Big 12 series that's on television will be the TCU series. All three games of that Friday through Sunday series will be televised on Fox Sports Southwest. So really a great lineup when it comes to TV. For those of you that aren't in Lubbock or around the area getting to catch the Red Raiders often, there's a great way to watch them on television, and you've got Texas Tech TV available to you as well. And if you're not aware, as of last season, Double T 97.3 here in Lubbock can now stream Texas Tech athletic events. Before, they could only be on live radio. They couldn't be on the internet platform. So I would encourage you as well check out the Double T 97.3 app. You can stream Texas Tech live call sports through there. And if you're like me, if you are watching a game on television, you don't like those ESPN broadcasters, I'll use Bluetooth and stream the radio broadcast through my soundbar. You can pause the radio app and sync things up with the video feed. And all of a sudden you have your own experience listening to Red Raider broadcasters talk about your Red Raider baseball team. So encourage you to check that out. Well, we're going to wrap things up today with our new mailbag segment. We told you in the intro to the show that Dinger Derby will be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. Well, here in the mailbag, we'll be taking your questions from Twitter, and I'll be bringing you answers. This is Throwing Chad with Raider Red. This guy's a first ball, fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. Are you crying? There's no Crying! There's no crying in baseball! Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe Ruth! You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So, play like one tonight. Michael, the co-host of the 23 Personnel podcast, had a question. I want to thank those guys again. Spencer and Michael, 23 Personnel, the other podcast from StakingThePlanes.com. Those guys do a great job. Enjoy listening to them. It's like talking sports with your buddies. I appreciate them continuing to spread the word about Dinger Derby. They had me on early on before I had started this thing and let me talk about the podcast as well. Really enjoy them and, and appreciate them for supporting Dinger Derby. Now, Michael asked, if TTU asked you to create a Dinger Dog, what would be on it? Now, if, if you haven't listened to 23 Personnel Podcasts, it's important for you to know that first and foremost... It is, after all, a food podcast. So they talk about food all the time, smoking meats and things of that nature, as they should. And I'll tell you, as far as hot dogs go, I'm a Chicago dog fan. If I go to the ballpark in Arlington, I want to grab a Chicago dog. There's a specific vendor there that I like to get it from. But for me, if I was going to make something kind of fancy, a little bit different, I like a classic dog but I want an all beef dog. I want diced onions. I want some sort of sweet and spicy relish and I want some sriracha on mine. I want something a little bit different and I want it to be hearty. I don't want some little bitty steamed down dog. I want a I want a good hearty one. I want to eat one and be satisfied with that. So that's where I'm going if I'm making a dinger dog. And while I'm on the topic, Kirby Hokut, I know you're listening out there. I appreciate all you've done for concessions at Texas Tech with $2 hot dogs and $2 nachos and bringing alcohol in and all that stuff. Please tell them to stop wrapping the hot dogs at Dan Law Field. Surely the amount of time it takes to throw a well-cooked wiener into a bun and handing it over would be better than me getting a steamed down, nasty gob of bread wrapped around a hot dog. So just my feedback, take it or leave it. Thanks for listening. So final question, thought it was a fun one from Rob Bro on Twitter. What is your Tadlock era fantasy lineup? Lots of answers on that one. People arguing with Rob Bro about his fantasy lineup. It's kind of funny. It's his fantasy. He can, he can think what he wants. He can make the rules. If you're not aware, Rob Bro, buddy of mine, he's the host of the Rob Bro show. Check him out on Talk 1340 here in Lubbock. He's got a sports show from 9 to 11 a.m. on weekdays. I really enjoy Rob Bro's sports takes. He's very well informed. He's a Twitter junkie. Really, really knows a lot about what's going on with both Texas Tech Sports, college sports in general, and especially pro sports. Far more informed about pro sports than I ever will be. Really just a good guy. Really enjoy his takes. Check him out. Talk 1340, the Rob Bro Show. So my Tadlock era fantasy lineup, I thought a lot about this one, and it was not an easy one for me. And I even went back and looked at some draft positions and some stats of players, you know, kind of in those earlier years of the Tadlock era. But here's what I came up with. I'm going to start with pitchers. I did four. So Stephen Gingery is a definite for me as a starting pitcher. Chris Sadbury as well. Trey Mossick. And I want Parker Mashinsky on my team. Really love what he did in his last season as a Red Raider. So at first base, I want Hunter Hargrove. I love the fire of Hunter Hargrove. He's a doubles-hitting machine, he's a leader, and he was athletic off the base when he played at first in that last season for, the, for Texas Tech. So definitely want Hunter Hargrove there for me. Well, I know what you're thinking. Why in the world wouldn't you have Goot at, at first base? So I'll go ahead and tell you, Eric Gutierrez is going to be my DH. I want the deep threat, again, the leadership and the fire. Love the swagger, so I want Eric Gutierrez as my DH. At second base, I really struggled with this one. Michael Davis played second base for the Red Raiders in his junior season. Then he went and played shortstop in his senior year. Definitely thought about him. Gabe Holt, fantastic freshman year last year. Had 29 stolen bases. All those hits, all those runs scored. Hard to argue with that. But as I look back and I thought about it, one person had come to mind early. I decided to fudge the rules. Tim Tadlock was the assistant coach under Dan Spencer in 2012. Jamadric Magruder was drafted in 2012. He's going to be my second baseman. Jamadric Magruder had 90 stolen bases in his career as a Red Raider. 39 of those came in the 2012 season when Tim Tadlock was on the staff. So I'm taking Jamadric Magruder at second base. Third base. I think that one's an obvious. I want Josh Young there. So I tweeted at Michael Davis and asked him where he wanted to play on my fantasy team. In perfect Michael Davis form, I'm sure Tim Tadlock was beaming with pride, since I know he watches my Twitter all the time. Michael Davis said, I'll play wherever's open. That's a baseball player right there, y'all. So I gave him what I know he really wants in his heart. I put Michael Davis as my shortstop. I don't think anybody can match the arm of Michael Davis at short. I've heard tell that he has been clocked at 97 miles an hour from short to first I just think he did a lot of really exciting, fun things there and for some reason did not get a lot of attention at shortstop despite some of the circus plays that he made from way deep in the hole. So really, really want Michael Davis as my shortstop. Now for left field, I want Tyler Nesloney, but I have a caveat. I want Tyler Neslone to play left field, but all I want him to do is gun down Jonathan India at second base. That's it. Just gun him down every play. Just gun down somebody at second base, preferably Jonathan India. In center field, I want Cody Farhat from 2017. I loved watching him play center field. I loved him earn that spot. He was hitting great that season. He was making every sports center catch you could imagine. Really enjoy watching Cody Farhat play center field. That's who I want out there. I want Grant Little in right field doing the same things he did in left field. I think he'd be a lot of fun out in right field. That's who I want there. For my catcher, I want Hunter Redman. He was fun as a first base coach. He was fantastic as a catcher for the Red Raiders. That's who I want behind the dish. So that's where I'm at. That's my Tim Tadlock era fantasy lineup. Feel free to hit me up with your fantasy lineup at Dinger underscore Derby on Twitter. I think it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Rob, bro. That's a fun question. I appreciate that one. Well, folks, I don't have a whole lot more for you. I am incredibly excited, as I know you are, for this baseball season to get rolling. We are barely more than a week away, and I will be sitting on the first base side in the general admission bleachers on Friday afternoon, February 15th, watching the Red Raiders get this thing started against Oregon. Cannot wait. I'll be back in your feed next week. I'll break down the Oregon Ducks. We'll talk about what to expect from that series, who we think we'll see, what we think we'll see from the Red Raiders. I wanted to tell you a little bit about the format of the podcast as we get into the season. I'll be in your feed every week, breaking down the previous series, the previous midweek, and talking about the next week's series and midweek as well. I always want to have that up-to-date information. I'll sprinkle in any news that we see going on and specific team things happening. And then I'm also going to drop some special episodes in your feed from time to time as I have guests come on. Those will be standalone. We'll interview a guest that's interesting, whether they're a former Red Raider or they have takes from a national level about college baseball. We'll do some interview episodes, and I'll drop those in your feed just as I have them. So you can always count on seeing me every Thursday, pop up in your podcatcher and see what it is the Red Raiders have going on and what they had going on the weekend before and the midweek game before, and then you'll see some other episodes come through as well. I'll always try to keep the podcast under 45 minutes. And then if you do have an interview episode, if it's getting really good, it may go a little bit longer, but I appreciate you sticking with me. Appreciate those of you that have subscribed. Appreciate those of you that are downloading and listening. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Share my posts on social media. Come find the show on Facebook at Dinger Derby. Find the show on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby. Uh, I'll be posting on stakingtheplanes.com every week. Just let people know that there's a podcast about Texas Tech baseball, and please send me suggestions, ideas, connections to folks that I might want to interview at Dinger underscore Derby at Outlook.com. I cannot wait for some Red Raider Baseball 2019. I know you feel the same way. Thanks so much for tuning in. With that, we're signing off. Wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck'em Tech! Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone? There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man.